Hello and welcome to the Big 12 Country Podcast, where four guys in jockstrap will be covering college football and providing content and HSOs from around the Big 12. Big 12 Country Podcast. Uh, tonight, I'm your host, Corey, and it is uh, the 7th. Or, t- or is this the 8th? 8th or 7th? 7th. 7th. Okay. I was trying to make, I couldn't remember what day it was when I left work. <laughs> okay, today's the 7th. Um, today, we're, do- we're continuing our Spring Revelation series that we had started about a week ago or so. Uh, we're picking up with Kansas State, and uh, we've had him on the show before. His name's Tyler, and Tyler, you'll have to forgive me because I stri- I wrote it down, and the way I read it was dryling, but I remember you telling me how to pronounce it. Is it dryling or dreeling? That, uh, that's correct. It's dryling. Dryling. Okay, that's what I thought. That was my first choice. Okay. It was when we had it on the show last night, which I'm sure you didn't hear, but I, at the end of the show, I said, oh, Tyler, and I said, I'm pretty sure it's dryling, but I need to look that up. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I had it in my note, but the way I wrote it, I wrote it exactly like it's spelled instead of the way it needed to be pronounced, like an idiot. So, um, but yeah. <laughs> Anyway, we're we're glad to have you on the show. Uh, you you're with Powercat Game Day, and what's the other one that you're kind of a part of? Uh, with uh, the game on KMAN Radio in Manhattan. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Oh, that's really cool. That's really cool that you get to do that. Was it a couple hours a day you do radio up there or something? Yeah, we're on from four to six during the week, and um, and uh, yeah, so it gets a little bit slower during the. The summer months usually, but uh, that was that was not the case today for sure. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, I can imagine. I imagine there's a lot of phones going off the hook. Um, I know we didn't really prepare you for this because it really wasn't in the cards for any of us. But is there anything you'd like to say about the news we found out about Bob Stoops today? Well, it's. Um, I mean, it certainly caught me off guard as it did with with everybody. I mean, at first I, it was just really surprised and trying to figure out if there was anything going on uh, behind the scenes that would have impacted this. But um, <clears throat> it sounds like it's it's something that he's very comfortable with and the, the school was prepared for it. I mean, they knew what they were uh, getting into with this. And so, I mean, I think my biggest takeaway is just that uh, you need to have a, a lot of appreciation for what Bob Stoops did at Oklahoma and he was, he uh, along with Bill Snyder were kind of the last two guys in the big 12 that remind you of the quote unquote good old days in the big 12, because there's just so many young coaches in the conference now with, um, with Tom Herman and Matt rule and, uh, and David Beatty, you know, there just, there isn't a lot of the, uh, the coaches that we knew and loved from the late nineties, early thousands. And so now it's just down to one after the, after the Bob Stoops news today. I bet you in 2000, nobody thought Bill Snyder would be the last one standing. Yeah. That yeah. That be, is crazy. I mean, I, mean I, I can't believe that he actually managed to uh, outlast everybody else. Yeah. He's even outlasted a lot of his assistants on that. He, I mean, it's just nuts to, to think that that man is still that, that deep into college football and, Pretty much everybody else that was underneath him, coaching assistantly or head, is about wrapped it up or moved on out of the league at least. Yeah, yeah, it's um, <laughs> again something I definitely wouldn't have seen coming. No, I don't, I don't think anybody would. No, I, and it, it was definitely a crazy day for us. I mean, I, I kind of knowing that program as much as I do, I don't expect us to find out really, <clears throat> or at least get the hundred percent truth, or, or or ever get them to admit to if there was any reasons outside of just you know, the ones he gave in his press conference today. But 
Um, if we do, I imagine it'll be a while before we ever figure it out. So, I don't know. Uh, good luck to him. I mean, it. you can't really fault the man. I mean, he gave everything he had for 18 years, so. Yeah, to be in a place for 18 years is pretty impressive. So, yeah. and when you look at Bill Snyder, how long he's been at Kansas State, it's it's incredible. I mean, it's um, it's unbelievable, really. So, what, what number are we getting up to with Bill, uh, roughly? Do you know off the top of your head? Uh, th- this will be season number 26. Golly, that's amazing. Especially in today's uh, climate, that's freaking amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, we were talking about that. It, it, it came up a little bit last night, and it's something I'll post to you, and I'll save it for the show as we get into the show. There, there's a question we had talked about last night, and I was going to get your take on it, but we'll wait because it's actually pretty K-State specific. So um, just kind of starting things out on the, you know, again, we're just kind of going to look back at the spring. Um, a lot of these shows we've kind of focused on the spring game because that's where we usually get the most facts or video or whatever. But, you know, spring in general, kind of a loose term. Um the one thing, the first thing I wanted to talk about that I got from just kind of reading about how it went and watching the clips and watching his press conference, man, you guys had a lot of names that didn't play in that game. Um, and and it almost kind of seemed like that could have stolen the afternoon, but you guys had some some younger guys kind of step up. Uh, the quarterback, the sophomore quarterback, um, I had his name right in front of me. Alex uh, Del- Skyler Al- Thompson. Or Skyler Thompson, yes. Um, he... He kind of, I mean, he put on a pretty good show passing. And considering the receivers we talked about, if K-State can, can, can improve their passing game, is there is there any chance he's got here to, to play this year? Or is, or is it Ertz or, or Ertz or Bust, I guess I should say? Oh, uh, Ertz, Ertz is a lock to be the, the starter. But Skylar Thompson is considered to be the quarterback of the future. I mean, um, I think that there would be a chance that Thompson could work his way into being the backup, taking that spot from alex delton this year but but other than that i wouldn't expect him to see the field except for uh mop-up duty but yeah he was pretty encouraging in the spring game and everything that we've heard about him from when he got on campus seems to be very positive and uh and kind of follows the path of you know colin klein and um and jake waters and jesse Ertz. i mean it just seems like uh, he's cut from that same cloth in terms of really impressing early on in his career so we'll see what happens uh, yeah sticking with that quarterback situation Jesse Ertz had had surgery you know on, on his throwing shoulder how, how exactly is, is he recuperating from that and um, when are they expecting to be you know at a hundred percent I think that he should be getting fairly close to a hundred percent now I, I think that um, he could have been able to do some things during the spring but they wanted to play it safe with him and so uh, so he did not participate in anything in the spring but he should be you know good to go full speed when uh when fall camp rolls around and so you just hope that he didn't um, uh, he didn't get too rusty from the period that he had to sit out but i think that there's not a whole lot of concern about that and he should be in position to build upon what he did last year when he had a really impressive finish to the season for k-state he did yeah that that's you know, one thing that we've we've talked about even going into last year's season is that we felt like this year was kind of K State's year. They were kind of setting up the right positions to just to make a good run in the Big Twelve. Are are you? Do you feel the same way as that as, as we are from the outside looking in? I think that the pieces are in place for K State to uh, to improve on where they were last year, and you know they were not expected to be much of anything last year and they really proved a lot of people wrong they started out three and three and then they won six of their last seven including the texas bowl against 
against Texas A&M and the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. And, um, and that was supposed to be the rebuilding year to set up for this year. And so a lot of K-State fans are pretty excited thinking, well, if we went nine and four last year in the rebuilding year, then, uh, then nothing should be able to stop us this year. And it's not quite that simple. There are some positions that they need to uh, get better at, some positions that they did lose quite a bit of talent. And, uh, and, you know, the schedule in the Big 12 is always tough. Plus, there's the addition of the Big 12 championship game this year. But I would say that it's, it's looking increasingly likely like uh, this will be a team that, at the very least, is in contention for the Big 12 championship game uh, coming down to the last couple weeks of the season. Kind of, kind of following along on that, you kind of brought up some of the names they'd lost. You know, Willis and some of the guys that went to the NFL. Um, how are they feeling about, you know, I haven't really seen, and again, it's sometimes it may just be Snyder. I'm still trying to understand the whole dynamic there of how he handles things beyond just what we've always known to kind of be the, the general perception of the program. But I, we just haven't really heard anything on as far as if they've settled on names, decided definitely guys are going to play. Are, are they feeling pretty good about their ability to generate a pass rush or any kind of, are they, got, are they even to that point yet? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, losing Jordan Willis is is the biggest single loss on the team just because of how talented he was. But the thing is, K-State already had quite a bit of depth at the defensive end position, and they had a great season last year out of uh, out of a freshman, Reggie Walker. He should be the guy that steps into Jordan Willis's shoes this year. They have a couple other guys that um, that are good at the defensive end spot. So it's really not that spot that – uh, that is the concern. The one position where K-State seems to be at a real legitimate weakness potentially would be linebacker because they uh, lost Elijah Lee, who decided to go to the NFL a year early. He did slip down in the draft, and he wasn't taken until the seventh round. But they lose him. They lose Shermichael Moore. And so they're going to be relying on a lot of guys that have potential but have not proven themselves on the field yet at the linebacker spot this year. And um, and if they are able to figure it out, then K-State is going to be potentially the best defense in the Big 12. If not, then that definitely hurts their chances of actually contending for a league title. Well, I know, and again, it, again, hindsight, it doesn't really matter. Uh, but I do know the guy that does really cover K-State for us, he couldn't be with us tonight. He had some prior commitments he had to make. But I know one thing he kind of wanted to know after the draft is if we if we could ever find out, you know, is there any chance Lee kind of regrets that decision? Was he given bad information? You know, that kind of – because it, sound, it sounded like when he was coming out of college that, you know, third-round pick, fourth-round – I mean, I heard a few things thrown around, but definitely not seventh-round. Is it, You know, is there any, any clue as to what may have happened there? Just total miscommunication between the NFL and him or – Yeah, it's uh, – we did have the chance to have him on our show uh, uh, just yesterday, actually. So we had a chance to talk to him, and, um, and we did ask him about that a little bit, and – you know, the business of getting grades for the NFL draft is is so slimy with agents crawling all over you, you know, trying to whisper in your ear and say uh, that you're going to be a third round pick or something like that. And mm -hmm. sometimes that information is valid and sometimes it's not. And so he got a grade that wasn't really accurate, um, but he still ended up in a pretty good landing spot. I mean, if you're going to go in the seventh round, he found a good place to go to because it's a it's a destination in Minnesota that has an open uh, starting linebacker spot, and he looks to be in a pretty good position to actually take over 
that starting spot this year. So he doesn't regret it because he needed to get that signing bonus. He needed to help out his fam- uh, family financially. He gets a contract out of this of, I believe, about $2.4 million over a four-year period of, te- uh, period of time, assuming that he makes the team. So I don't think there's any regret about it. It's just the matter that uh, K-State fans – you know, they were just a little bit frustrated because they feel like maybe he was the piece that could uh, set this team over the top and make them the favorite to win the Big 12. Yeah. Well, you know, and one thing about the, the K-State defense this year is their secondary is very good, and they have returning stars everywhere on there. And, and you know, that's probably one of their stronger points coming into this season. Can you kind of talk about, you know, kind of what you're seeing in the spring? Are, are they making strides to improving? Because I feel like they have a really good shot to be a, a great secondary in the Big 12. Yeah, they should be uh, one of the top units in the Big 12 at um, or in the secondary. They do lose a very good safety in Dante Barnett, who was a five-year player, mm-hmm. um, was really, really good at kind of beating, being the quarterback of the of the defense back there being the traffic cop and getting everybody in the right positions. That is a big loss that they have to overcome, but, um, but they're really experienced and really talented at the cornerback spot. DJ Reed was a guy that nobody had heard of a year ago and had just a tremendous season for K-State. Duke Shelley has been around for a couple of years now and he's pretty solid. So I, I think that K-State is in a better position with the secondary than they've been in a long time. The question is, can they find a safety that can uh, can kind of control things back there and get everybody in the right position the way that Dante Barnett has been able to do over the last three or four years? So, who who do you think might be taking that safety spot? I'm kind of, you know I've kind of when I when I kind of do a little bit of reading, they're, they're talking about me that junior college transfer Elijah Walker might be a guy that might be able to slide into there. Is there somebody else on the team that you think might fill that position as well? Yeah, um, Elijah Walker would be a guy that that they're hoping they can get something out of. Um, we're, we're just going to have to wait and see because, you know, with guys that come in late uh, and, you know, do not have as much of the practice time as some of the other guys, that's something that usually in Bill Snyder's program, it's harder for, for them to overcome. So Elijah, uh, Elijah Walker would be a possibility. Uh, Kendall Adams is the, is the guy that I would expect to um, benefit the most from Dante Barnett's departure because he's going to be, all over the field this year. Um, uh, I don't really know where things are going to stack up as far as, you know, free safety versus uh, strong safety. I know that Sean Newland is another guy that could be in there. He's a 6'2 senior that's been in the program for a long time. Cree Moore also may see some time at that spot. So um, a lot of with who exactly is going to take over the spot, but there is some confidence that whoever does get it is going to do a good job. Um, you know, I kind of want to, and again, this is going to be an opinion thing or what you feel on this, because I know there may not be a perfect answer, so just whatever you feel to share with that is fine, but um, it seems like K-State in the in the, re, in the kind of more recent years, immediate last couple of years, has kind of been able to figure just about everybody in the league out to the point that at least they're competitive at the end of the game, uh, except Oklahoma, who's kind of hit them on the chin the last few times they played them, and it kind of seems like Oklahoma's ch- choice uh, a plan of attack to go against them is almost just we're going to put our athletes in space and beat you to death with them. Um, is there uh, obviously you know there's going to be some hype behind Kansas State? You know people in the know kind of follow the team realize this is kind of a key year for them. Do you see anything behind the scenes of you know game planning where they're trying to say okay guys we've got to take the next step it can't be the same 
base offense that it's been the last few years, or if we get behind, we're going to have to be able to score points. Do you have you seen any kind of plan of attack or change in momentum, or is it just business as usual? Well, with it being Bill Snyder, there's never going to be a lot of changes with that, but I do think that they are starting to embrace a couple of little tweaks with their offense and defense. You know, something that happened last year that was very, very uncharacteristic for the program uh, K-State lost two games last year that you really could look at coaching as being a very significant factor. And K-State does not get out coached very often, but um, but you could make the case that they were when they lost at home to Oklahoma State and in the Big 12 opener when they lost 17-16 uh, to 16 at West Virginia. So there are some indications that they've uh, started to make some tweaks with that. You know, they do want to have an offense that – works with the personnel they have and they do have a, a very good offense and a, and a deep offense with their wide receivers and running backs so um so there may be a few little tweaks in there but ultimately i think that k-state believes that it's good enough that it can line up and uh beat anybody that's that's on the other side of the ball and we're just gonna have to wait and see if that actually happens is there any i know again it's gonna have to be an opinion thing because we just have to wait and see but do you can you even envision the idea of that man and that staff trying to get creative with guys like Pringle doing some thing, you know, putting some things on the back burner that, you know, maybe they're saving for more of the competition. I would probably say yes. If it weren't for the fact that K-State just has the depth at those positions that they probably don't need to get all that fancy with it. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if that's exactly the answer that you're looking for there, no, but, no, that's fine. That's um, but at running back, K-State has Alex Barnes uh, coming back this year who had just a, a phenomenal breakout season last year. A lot of fans thought that he was underutilized, that he didn't get enough carries. Well, he should get the bulk of the carries this year, I think. Um, they have Justin Silman in the backfield as well that's also very good. Uh, Mike McCoy is an in-state guy that impressed during the spring and looks pretty good in the spring game. And then at receiver, even though they just lost one to a transfer uh, last week, they are really in as good a position there as they have been since Tyler Lockett was in Manhattan. They've got Isaiah Zuber, um, who I think is going to have a breakout year this year. They still have Byron Pringle. They have a, a transfer from Cal, uh, Carlos Strickland, who's a former four-star recruit, and he looked pretty good in the spring game too. So just mm -hmm. because they have – that many weapons i don't think they're going to have to ask byron pringle to run around all over the field and and do all that trickery but you never know they may try to uh, mix something in here or there and, and that's totally i get that and I, I guess i should be a little more clear i don't want k-state fans to think i'm selling them short because again if you followed us on the show we've been put we've been telling you for i don't know what six months now k-state's gonna be pretty good this year but i just know it, if we get into the situation of we're down 31 to 10 and we're going into the third quarter here we go again or something like you know could you right. even envision this team trying to pull some things out of the box that, you know, maybe they didn't ever really done in the past. So that's what I'm yeah, trying maybe. to figure out. I mean, uh, I think that K-State, it's part of their just fundamental philosophy that they aren't ever going to plan on being down 31 to, to 10 or something like that. They are going to plan on being up 31 to 10 and they're going to, uh, they're going to base things off of that. You know, I, I really don't know what would happen in that scenario, but I, I do think that, K-State, like this is not going to be a K-State team like two years ago where Oklahoma came in here and won 55 to nothing. I, I really think that K-State may lose, you know, two or three games this year, but they're going to be involved in those games. And 
Uh, and they, I just do not see them getting blown out in any of the games they play, except for maybe, maybe if things started to go really downhill, uh, that game at Oklahoma State toward the end of the year, just because of how good Oklahoma State's offense is. But other than that, I think uh, K-State's just going to keep it how they like it and keep games pretty close. Yeah, Tyler Wago, you brought up something that I was wanting to touch on. Is I feel like the backfield that Kansas State has this year is not getting enough credit. I think this is one of the better backfields they've had in quite a while as far as talent across, you know, depth-wise. They, they they have some really talented backs. And so, uh, you know, how do, how are you seeing, like, as far as carries, are, are you expecting uh, Alex Barnes to get the majority of the carries or maybe spreading it out a little bit? How, how are you kind of viewing their, their backfield this year? Uh, K-State always likes to spread it out a little bit. Uh, I do think that Alex Barnes will get more carries than any other running back, but Justin Sillman should get plenty in there as well. Um, you know, I was really surprised. I was um, following ESPN with their uh, little blog post that they were doing earlier in the spring, and they posted the position rankings of, uh, or, you know, at every position, every team in the Big 12. And I believe they had K-State, running backs as the eighth best in the big 12, which I really thought was pretty astounding because uh, um, I think that you could make the case that there's only maybe one or two schools that have a a deeper core of running backs than K-State does. So that's the thing that I'm probably most excited to watch with this team this year is K-State's running backs, not just because Alex Barnes is good and Justin Sillman is good, but they're also returning four starting offensive linemen and, uh, and K-State rushed for more yards per carry last year than they had in any season in school history. Wow. So if you take that into consideration, uh, it should be pretty fun to watch this team on the ground this year. Yeah, and I, I read that same article, and that and that's why I was like, this this doesn't make sense because what, what I'm seeing is this is a talented group of guys back there in the backfield, and with those linemen, like you said, up front, their running attacks will be a lot better than what everybody's thinking, in my opinion. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Um, kind of, and I, I know it's probably not the most enjoyable topic to talk about, but since it was the spring, um, the Corey Sutton situation, uh, we kind of talked about it a little bit on the updates cause we did a little bit of an update show yesterday, but, um, I know I'm going to defer to you. You're going to be able to tell us a lot more about what went on than we could, but, um, is there anything first kind of behind the scenes there that maybe the, the public's not getting the whole story on? Um, or is this strictly just a philosophy issue for him? And if that's the case, um, do you not find it kind of hypocritical considering Kansas State's relationship to a transfer and how you guys have kind of had some key transfer players in the past? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a fair point to bring up, and, and there is no doubt that this was a very rare moment of bad publicity for Bill Snyder when, uh, when he had the comments about the, the drug testing uh, when he met with the media after a catbacker event in Kansas City a couple weeks ago. You know, it was – it was very bizarre to observe all of this play out as someone who's been around the program for a long time, because it's just so abnormal for there to be negative headlines come out about anything related to Bill Snyder. But, um, but it's a policy that the the program has had in place for a while. You know, Corey Sutton is not the first guy to have his transfer denied. Um, Bill Snyder is very, uh, you know, he really values the, commitment aspect of things and um and he also believes that that he is is the man to lead all of his players to being uh better adults and and better people in society and 
Um, and so, you know, that's something that, that he's going to be very stubborn with. And sometimes it's just not going to work out. And sometimes over the years it has rubbed a few players the wrong way. But I think that's probably the bigger headline here is that you are seeing uh, some some voices of support for Coach Snyder as well, uh, just because there are a lot of players who understand where he's coming from, who understands that these are not rules that like K-State is making up. I mean, it's really more of an NCAA issue than a K-State issue. And K-State and Bill Snyder are just trying to do uh, what is best, the, the combination of what is best for the players and what is best for the program. And um, and unfortunately, it also escalated to a level it really didn't need to in this case. But uh, but it did come to a, uh, you know, it did come to a conclusion, one that it seems like all the sides are happy with. And now everybody's moving on. So I don't think that it's something that's going to linger and continue to be a distraction into the season. Right. It, well, you know, the one thing that kind of shook, that kind of shocked us when we read it was just that we kind of had the perception that Bill Snyder would be had the type of mentality of, you know, family first, uh, you know, no, no, no individual players bigger than the team. So, you know, we just kind of thought he, he'd be more likely just to kind of let him go. And, I, you know, and I, like I said, I, I'm like you, I don't think necessarily it should have played out in the media the way that it did. I, I don't think it was handled the right way. And so when those remarks came out, it just kind of took us back a little bit. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't, I don't blame anyone for being uh, surprised by, by what happened. And, you know, when, Coach Snyder talks about family. It's it's not all just the you know the the love and kisses of the family aspect. It's also the fact that if you are a member of a family, that also means you have a responsibility to contribute to that family. And um, and it really does go to that extent with Bill Snyder. He does view it that way, and um, and so he believes that when a player comes into the program, they are making a commitment to the program just as the program is making a commitment to them. And, uh, and the way that you have success is by both sides working together to move forward. And it just didn't happen in this case. It, it has, um, it has caused a, a few issues over, you know, the last uh, five years or so. I know I've talked to a couple of players that, um, that this has happened before. It just didn't really get into the public like this, but um, but ultimately, I think lessons were learned, and and K State is moving on, and they'll probably make some adjustments to this policy in the future. And how do you? I mean, I know this is going to sound like a terrible question because journalists, I don't feel like should do this. But um, <clears throat> excuse me, do you feel like to some degree the Kansas the this the right journalist writers journalists and writers on the staff and everybody that were interviewing him at the time should have somewhat protected him just from the aspect of his age, maybe not fully grasping what he was getting ready to do and how many people were going to find out. And, and I, again, I don't like the idea of that, but maybe this one time until they could establish maybe a future policy on these kind of things, because, well, it's a, uh, you know, it's kind of a lose, lose scenario, isn't it? I mean, mm -hmm. you can, you can try to protect him, but if you do that, you're, you're kind of letting down, uh, your principles from a journalistic standpoint but if you go through with it you are risking you know making the program angry at you and and risking your the amount of exposure you're, you're going to get with coach Schneider and players uh moving on so I, I think that it goes both ways and it's just it, it's in the gray area there really isn't a, a correct answer to that question I think that everyone kind of handled it um handled it in their own way and I personally thought that 
the media members that did write articles about it did a nice job with it, particularly Michaelis Robinette, who uh, who covers K-State for the Wichita Eagle and the Kansas City Star. I thought he did a really nice job with it, even though he kind of got called out by Bill Snyder for uh, reporting what he did. But I thought that he was just doing his job. So I, I kind of fall in between. I see both sides of it, but um, but ultimately – there's information. It's a story. It's the journalist's job to report that story. And at some point, uh, you know, at some point, the other shoe has to fall. Well, kind of sticking and I know this is, again, perception, and, and I hate to ask you this because you don't have facts to back it up, but I don't know who we would be able to find out better, you know, sense and pulse of the base than you. So kind of given the situation and some things and some things I've been told by some other or some things I've read from other writers covering the team and stuff. It kind of, it kind of, I get the impression and could, could, we're not up there. Obviously, you know, we're not up there. So maybe we're, we're just being fed the general gist of information that everybody gets, but I kind of get the hint that there's some of the fan base is ready. They're, they're ready to move on. And if for no other reason, they don't feel like, um, they feel like they're falling behind and you know further behind you know i hate to use this term but for lack of a better term it's an analog coaching staff in a digital world um when you come into recruiting uh i personally feel like k-state could recruit better than they have even though and a lot of people in his family his system the way he likes to do things i know that's him it's policy it's always going to be that way but if you just took what was there quality coaching i feel like they could recruit better than they have if they were able to kind of take some of the, and, and not that they haven't had some attempts but they're not quite where some of the other programs are in that department which a lot of the big 12 struggles with that so it's not anything new but um so so kind of is that true do you feel like there is a good section of the fan base that is kind of not in a not in a get the heck out of here kind of way but ready to maybe start taking that trip down the aisle of you know maybe some of these i guess quote-unquote embarrassments of this situation which you know was that big a deal in the end but you know what's your take on some of that stuff well i think um i I can definitely see how you would get that perception uh, not being as close to the program. And there is a very small sense of truth to it, just in terms of uh, there's always going to be a small minority of every fan base that's never going to be satisfied with how things are currently going. But I would phrase it more like this. I would say that K-State fans in the last year or so, and particularly in the past few months, have just gotten more and more nervous that the uh, the farewell for Bill Snyder will not be a you know ride off into the sunset kind of a situation. And I think that K State fans, just because of how much they have adored and admired Bill Snyder over the years, really desperately want it to be uh, a situation where where he goes out with a Big 12 title or at least a very good season, a bull win. Uh, the players carry him off on their shoulders, et cetera, et cetera. And they're just – they may not admit it, but subconsciously they're just terrified that it's going to be an ending more like what we saw. Um, you know, and, and I hate to make this comparison because it's really not a comparison at all. But, uh, but you look at how things ended for Joe Paterno or, or some of the other legendary coaches that – may have stayed a little bit too long. K-State fans are just terrified that something like that would happen with Bill Snyder, and they want the end of this, you know, this movie, this fairy tale to um, to have a happy ending, and they just don't know for sure if that's going to happen. So I think that that's – I think what you're asking about is more 
of an angst uh, by K-State fans than it is an actual desire that he go ahead and, and, you know, get on with his life and everything like that. Okay. Go ahead, you know, so it's more, it's more out of, a, of a love for the man that you want him to go out high than it is a a spiteful time to move on right. type thing. Oh, absolutely. Gotcha. Yeah. That and, makes more sense. And and I know this is not an easy question to answer either, but we we asked it last night, so I'm going to ask you too. Um, what is Kansas State without Bill Snyder's identity? I mean, it, <laughs> I know for us it's hard to imagine that question. Yeah, we can, you know. really didn't have an answer to that. I mean, obviously you'd have to kind of know who took over and all that kind of stuff, but. Do you feel like this program is capable of of because I feel like Penn State's kind of still to some degree not ever quite come back and got their own identity yet without Paterno and you know you've had some other ones with Bowden but luckily for them Florida State you know they won pretty quickly after he left and all that kind of stuff so you know who is Kansas State what are they if he's not on the sidelines well it's a, I mean that is that really is an impossible question to answer even though it's it's totally uh, justified in asking it we just we just don't know. I mean, can K-State win without Bill Snyder? I think they can. Can they win to the same level that we've seen from Bill Snyder over the majority of his K-State career? I think they can, but the the number of coaches that would be able to do that is extremely limited, and you would be talking about a scenario of needing uh, lightning to strike twice with that kind of thing. I mean, I think that when... Uh, Bill Snyder is gone. The realistic year-in, year-out expectations for the program would probably be more in the range of, you know, seven or eight wins, just getting to a bowl game, hopefully winning a bowl game, that kind of thing. Uh, but but we don't know for sure. I mean, it's very possible that they could bring in a, a Brett Venables, a Jim Levitt, guys that have had a ton of success in different places and used to coach under Bill Snyder, and maybe they can – formulate the exact same recipe and keep things going but uh, but I think that most K-State fans realize that uh, when Bill Snyder calls it quits the best days of the program at least uh, in the near future uh, will be behind him if that makes sense uh, I'm not if I'm not mistaken he has some sons on the staff right I mean what do you oh yeah what do you perceive that situation being uh it would it be a kind of carry on as you were or do you feel like when the Snyders are gone the Snyders are gone well, uh, it's not a secret that that Bill Snyder wants his son to be the next head coach of K-State. Um, Sean is the associate head coach right now. Uh, he is the special teams coordinator. And actually, this is something that people uh, are pretty surprised by when they hear it. But uh, Sean Snyder has actually spent more years with K-State's football program than Bill Snyder has. Sean Snyder has spent 26 years and Bill uh, 25 because when – Bill retired back in 2005. Uh, Sean stayed around the program and was on Ron Prince's staff for three years. So, oh, okay. uh, so Sean Snyder actually has just as much experience as his father. It's just that he's never been a head coach. He's never called a play. Um, he basically runs the program as far as day-to-day operations, and and that's who Bill Snyder would like to succeed him is his son. And that's a kind of a polarizing topic for. K-State fans, some are on board with it and some less so, but he'll definitely be a name. There's no doubt about that. When uh, when Bill is ready to call it quits, he's going to be toward the top of the list as far as who K-State is going to consider. Yeah, and again, I you know, I apologize. I know some of these questions aren't the most fair in the world. It's just, it was such, um, I don't know, it was kind of almost, I hate to say the word refreshing because it's probably a poor choice of words, but it was kind of new to get to see 
you know, maybe a chink in the armor and maybe it kind of opened up kind of a Pandora's box of questions in my mind of, you know, are we starting to see the end of Bill Snyder? Maybe a little quicker than we thought. Um, you know, if we if we had enough of the Corey Sutton incidents, and I'm not saying it's going to happen. I mean, I expect Kansas State to fully control these kind of things. But, you know, if these kind of things did start coming up, you started seeing these little, you know, flubs and, and irritants right. to the staff. Do you Do you see the university kind of putting things in their own hands, or are they going to let him walk when he's ready? Oh, I I don't think so. I mean, K-State just, uh, just got a new president recently. They just got a new athletic director within the last couple of months. I don't think they would step in and take it out of his hands as long as K-State is still winning games and they're, they're doing so within uh, NCAA compliance. And I don't think that either of those things are, uh, are in real danger right now. No. So I would doubt that, but, um, but I can see where that, that concern would come up, especially if there were to be another incident with bad PR like we saw in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, well, it, well, and one thing I want to make clear is that we we here we love the guy. I mean, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, it, yeah. I mean, we do. I mean, like he's my one of my favorite coaches because like in all this new age stuff of people drawing up all these crazy plays, he's winning with c- coaching the kids hard, being disciplined, mm-hmm. and being in the right place to make plays. I mean, it's it, yeah, it's the fundamental. Like it's gaps. yeah, I mean, it, it's it's to me it's so refreshing because it's what to me what coaching should be. Well, you know, and, and it's so. the Big Twelve we grew up with. I mean, right. uh, You know, like we were talking about today. Um, not to get entirely off the topic of Snyder. But do you know is some of the OU recruits in danger uh, in that class? And I don't personally think so as much because I don't feel like an 18 year old fully understands the. I understand they realize Bob Stoops is a big deal, but I don't think they could fully appreciate it like somebody in our age who was basically their age when Bob Stoops took over Oklahoma. So we've been along for the whole ride from basically adulthood of him being there. And, I, you know, and to me, I don't feel like it would be as a death blow to somebody like that. You know, so I don't know. I, you know, I don't know. Some of these newer kids and everything, they may not appreciate what he's done there and everything. But you have to at least appreciate the system that he establishes when he comes in there. And their and the ability to still, all these years later, to continue to work with these 18-year-old kids, the 20-year-old kids, and get them to do what he needs them to do. And it's basically just fundamentals, consistency. We preach the same message every single year. I mean, you know, I I, I revere the guy. I mean, I, yeah, to I still do. be able to do that at this point is just amazing, and to win at the at the level they're doing. So, well, and I think that uh, um, it's not just OU fans or the the younger generation of fans that should realize that. But how about uh, OU's next head coach, who I, I just looked up today um, when uh, when Lincoln Riley was born, Bill Snyder was about to end or about to enter his fifth season as Iowa's offensive coordinator. So it's a pretty big, pretty big gap between those two for sure. But, uh, but that's, you know, part of what makes the big 12 really fun right now is that we do get this contrast of styles between old school and new school. And uh, this year, maybe more than any other year, we're going to see which, which style is the way to go. Yeah. And and, I mean, just kind of a funny little side note to that last night, I was saying the words on this show, you know, Lincoln Riley's less than a year older than me, and I have no business running Oklahoma's offense. And um, 24 <laughs> hours later, he's the head coach. So, yeah. um, you know, that's, that's. I mean, my Lord, I couldn't even imagine being the head coach of a D1 program right now. So I can barely keep this thing together, much less a team. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, let alone a, a uh, program that's, you know, top 10 uh, historically, a, a blue blood program. Yeah, yeah, no pressure. Yeah, exactly. Not at all. Youngest yeah. coach in the entire country with that program. No, no pressure at all there. So, so kind of, uh, what what are your 
predictions or kind of like what do you think is going to come out this season? I mean, obviously we're a long ways from from fall, you know, with injuries or anything that could come up. But just kind of on a projection, looking out, you know, kind of what are you thinking or seeing that this season turning out like for Kansas State? Well, I think that if everything um, if everything stays together in terms of you know injuries and I mean there's there's several things that you can't really predict, but I would be I would be surprised if K-State won fewer than um, than at least eight or nine games this year. I would say that uh, the fans would probably view nine as kind of the benchmark. If you if you can get to nine or more, then you're feeling pretty good about the season. And if it's seven or eight, then uh, you're kind of disappointed. But I was just looking at, at this with K-State's schedule. Um, their non-conference isn't too bad. They've got a couple of cupcakes, and they've got a road trip to – Vanderbilt, uh, which I think they should be able to handle, but the first five games of K-State's Big 12 league schedule is really, really fascinating because their first five games, uh, three of those five games are against first-year head coaches, and another one of them is against Kansas. So against four of your first five to start, you know that you're going to have at least some sort of coaching advantage or talent advantage. And uh, that gives K-State a chance to be nationally relevant here for at least the first couple months of the season until they uh, face West Virginia and Oklahoma down the stretch, or Oklahoma State, I should say, down the stretch. So, uh, again, I think that we're probably looking at at around a nine-win season for K-State with the potential, if if everything goes right, to uh, maybe make it to the Big 12 championship game. Kind of on that that topic of the games there – I know it's it's the third game of the year, I guess, if I, from what I'm telling you on the schedule. But have you looked into Vanderbilt yet? Any any pulse on that game? Because to me, that's just kind of an interesting one. You get you got you know Central Arkansas and Charlotte. I'm not really worried about their chances there. But you know when okay now you're going to Vanderbilt, which you know again it's the lower level of the SEC, but they obviously get athletes. I mean they got a really good linebacker committed to them right now. So mm-hmm. they you do. Know, uh, just any opinions on that situation or any, okay, in general, any games that, you know, kind of worry you obviously outside of, you know, is there something you're seeing on the schedule that maybe not everybody's getting? Well, I think that um, uh, the Vanderbilt game will be probably a little bit tougher than a lot of K-State fans are uh, are really giving it credit for. I always get concerned about a marquee non-conference game. You know, I really hated that they went to Stanford last year. Um, now, Vanderbilt isn't Stanford, but uh, but they are going to be pumped up for that game, and uh, and it's an environment that you're not used to. So I, I think K-State will win the game. I think they're the better team, but you can't be surprised if, if Vanderbilt were to win that game. And as far as the Big 12 season is concerned, really just the big question now, especially after the news today, K-State has not beat Oklahoma in Manhattan in a really, really long time. Uh, and if they are going to win the Big 12 this year, part of that formula needs to be winning that home game against the Sooners. So can K-State get over the hump against OU? Uh, can, you know, Bill Snyder uh, take the uh, the young, you know, new coach to school? We'll, we'll see. But, um, but that will tell us a whole lot about how the rest of the Big 12 is going to shake out because if Oklahoma wins that game, and it's probably going to – you're probably going to be looking at a Bedlam Part 2 situation for uh, for the Big 12 title. Well, you know, here we're getting close to the end of this interview here, and 
our, you know, we talked about our, our intern we have here, Jockstrap, our 11-year-old uh, our 11 year old intern here. And, uh, he was complaining that he wasn't getting very much airtime. So we thought he has, he, he, he came up with the idea of the jock stress, big three questions. And so he has like three questions for you that are kind of more random questions about, you know, Manhattan and things like that. He's wanted sure. to ask, so you're going to be our first, first guest to do it. So, uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I'm gonna let, <laughs> let jock strap here, take it over yeah, and answer. All right. Okay. Number one, what is your favorite bar in Manhattan? <laughs> Favorite bar in Manhattan? Um, well, I'll actually I'll tell you what. Oh well, that's a hard question to answer. It depends on what night of the week it is, because if it's a night like tonight, like a Wednesday, uh, here in about an hour, I can tell you that I'm going to be doing karaoke over at uh, Kite's Bar and Grill in Aggieville. Um, if it's if it's the weekend, I think that I would say my favorite bar is probably wahoo and uh and that's because they've got really good uh food there i i'm good friends with the bartender there i think that that's my uh my number one go-to on the weekends is wahoo fire and ice grill so it's kind of a two-sided answer to that question Uh, number two what is your favorite restaurant and what what should i get there favorite restaurant in manhattan i would um Actually, Wahoo wouldn't be a bad answer to that either. But I would say uh, if you're going to be up here, you might as well get some um, get some really good barbecue. And oh, yeah. uh, they do have good barbecue at uh, Cox Brothers is the name of the place. And, um, and so I really enjoy their uh, pulled chicken sandwiches there. They've also got excellent potato salad, the best potato salad you've ever had. So I would I would probably go with that. Okay. Uh, the last one is: do, do you find Kansas basketball fans as annoying as I do? <laughs> yes, one hundred percent. I yes. think that one's probably uh, a slam dunk. Um, yeah, that's uh, the little traveling situation at the end of the K State KU game uh, from this past season was was a nightmare with Spee Mikhailuk basically running from half court to get the game winner over K State, but. Um, I guess uh, OU basketball wasn't quite as, as relevant this past season, but it sure looks pretty promising uh, moving forward. So hopefully you guys are able to uh, to take down KU again this year. Yeah, I mean, you got to like your chances of getting a couple players like they got. I mean, you know, it doesn't yeah. take much to turn around basketball. So. Yeah, and, and for all you Kansas fans out there listening, uh, you can find Jockstrap at Twitter at, uh, at Jockstrap <laughs> underscore B12C. So you can go ahead and start sending him some messages on that one. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna get a lot of hate on Twitter. Yeah, I, I, I can't imagine, and I don't know. I know we said this a few times, but I mean, it, it really has been eye-opening. And you know, I mean, we've I obviously just fallen more in love with this conference, getting to learn it. Um, outside of just being the ignorant fan to our only team and knowing what we knew about the teams and actually getting to study this, but the fascination we've had with that rivalry that we had no idea how vicious it was until yes. we. A, on in all sports, I mean, he's just blown us away. Like if we, if you put a put us, you know, and said, "Hey, what two teams do you expect to be blown away by the?" I would have never in a million years said Kansas State, Kansas as vicious as this apparently yeah, is. Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> I mean, and you know, both sides have had something to do with that. K K State fans have been like, I mean, I'll, I'll definitely admit it. They've been kind of immature with the uh, with the chanting that they've been doing. Yeah, the one recently and, was a little um, rough. And, you know, it's just, uh, I don't know, it's, 
it's something that uh, is kind of annoying because you know that Kansas is going to be better at basketball. You know K-State is going to be better at football, and there's not really a whole lot of adjustment there. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it definitely has intensified the last 10 years. Yeah, I, I it just getting into some of the message boards and stuff. is, And, I mean, you know, message boards are, are kind of you're in Neverland there on some of that stuff. But, um, yeah, just I, I had no idea it was as bad as it was. Well, um, you got anything else for Tyler? No, I really appreciate you coming on. It's been great. Yeah. Yes, thank you, Tyler. I don't know how we got lucky enough to find you. Um, <laughs> uh, you just, I mean, you come on here and blow us away every time we get you on. I, it's so hard to find somebody that, that you know, articulates answers and, and knows the program as well as you clearly do. <laughs> Uh, and and gives the answers with enough confidence that you're going to buy it until proven otherwise. So um, thank you for coming on. We very much appreciate it. Uh, these shows are always great to do with you. Oh, sure, guys. Uh, really uh, appreciate you reaching out to me. It was a good time. And, you know, it is uh, K-State OU in Manhattan this year. So if you want to uh, to come up, just give me a ring and we'll we'll figure something uh, out. I tell you what, we're, we're, we're kicking the idea around. We're going to – we're planning on trying to do something. We're trying to go somewhere, and that actually is an appealing idea. I would actually yeah. really like to do something like that. So, um, yeah, we may take you up on that. We were still trying to figure out where that that, that may be where we end up going because it wouldn't be mm-hmm. too bad of a trip for us either. So, Absolutely. Um, yeah, we'll be in touch with you. Um, if you're available, we're probably going to try to hit up with you again in a month or so before the season starts. And then, you know, maybe if we can get you on for the team preview or something, if you have time, if not, fine. Uh, and, you know, we'll go from there. Um, no, yeah, I should, should be able to do that. And just kind of tell everybody you know, where they can find you, like as far as uh, Twitter and, and shows and everything that you're on. Oh yeah, um, on uh, on Twitter at Tyler Dryling, it's just my name. Um, the uh, the show is the game or at the game KMAN. We post our podcast with the show every day at newsradiokman.com, and uh, and you can see my uh, K State coverage over at PowerCatGameDay.com. Excellent. I, we really appreciate you coming on today. Yeah, Tyler, thank you. Yep. Yep, thank no you. problem, right. guys. Have a good night, man. Thanks. All right. All right. Thank you. Yep. Bye. Bye. All right. Kind of, um, we good there on the connection? Okay. Yes. Um, just as we tend to do, I know it helps when we have more bodies in the room, but uh, just kind of final thoughts, anything you want to, anything he, that surprised you, shocked he, he you? He knows his stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what we were telling yeah. you. Yeah. Dude's sharp. Yeah, yeah, he's always a great interview. And, and you know, one thing I do really respect about him was is like the tougher questions that are not fun to answer. He he answered yeah. honestly and, and gave me some insight. You know, on what the Kansas State fan is thinking. It's more about the love of Bill Snyder. They want to make sure he's going out the right way than the way that maybe it's perceived, like through Twitter or somewhere like that, where it seems negative. It's mm-hmm. it's not really that way. The majority of people want to see him go out on top, and they they're worried more worried about him going out in a bad way than than you know than actually trying to push him out the door yeah and, and again that was something i wanted to clear up because um the the i don't want to say the jackals were at the gates but we were starting to hear you know more and more that uh and again it's hard for us to gauge uh the new followers that don't realize this we're in oklahoma um you know it we follow the program know the program pay attention to the program, but there's only so much we can do from here. I'm sure you guys get way better. I mean, if you get to listen to that guy every day on the radio, I mean, tell me you're not going to be a lot more educated on the team than we are. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I just we were starting to hear some things, and I was curious, and I wanted to address it because – and it's not that I ever envisioned a vicious Kansas State fan base. I mean, how could you be with that man? But uh, I don't know. I did, to me, it was just interesting. You know, you're, you're, again, you kind of got to see a little bit into the program with all these issues with Sutton and everything, and it's not something you typically get. With how when was the last time you heard Bill Snyder did something stupid that everybody was, you know, freaking out about? Well, I mean, well, I mean, 
you, you almost got to take it with a grain of salt, though, because, I mean, the guy's been there, you say this is his 26th season as head coach. Mm-hmm. You, you don't see stories like this. So, no. apparently, this is just kind of one of those things that just happen. Everybody makes, you know, makes mistakes and says something wrong sometimes. And, and that's kind of why I chalk it up as. I, I don't think it's a, a uh, you know, where he's at as a coach or anything like that. I think it was just, you know, simply a mistake, and they got it corrected and, and went on about their way, and everybody seems to be happy. So, you know, I, one thing that I took for him to – was he? He was kind of on the same page as me with that those running backs. I I, th- I think they have a very talented backfield, and like uh, like he was saying, ESPN was not very high on them. But I I'm with him. I think they're pretty good. I well, think they're gonna get people some trouble in the Big Twelve. If that's the article I'm thinking of, and I'm pretty sure it is, they also had the Oklahoma running backs a little high in my opinion too, given their entire lack of experience on that lineup. So, um, yeah, I don't know that I would look too much into that if I'm a K State fan. But and again, if you're K State, you're gonna. Underestimate me, please. I mean, please. Oh yeah, please underestimate that's, that's, this team. That's, that's, that's what I want. Yeah. So that's when Bill Snyder's eyes best. When, yeah. Whenever he, whenever he can bunker the guys in in, in the foxhole with him mm-hmm. and put up stuff, you know, saying no one believes in you, but I believe in you. That's whenever they seem to play their best. He, he's the. He, that's one thing he's always been the master at is how to push the right button on a guy at the right time. He, mm-hmm. He's he's got a gift for that. And so, yeah, if, if I'm if I'm Bill Snyder, I, that's what I want everybody to do. I want them to underestimate me because we're going to we're going to surprise people. And you know, here on the show, uh, you know, especially you, Corey, you 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 were saying for a while that this is going to be K State's year. They're going to be really dangerous this year. And it's I don't I still don't think people, especially nationwide and probably even in the Big Twelve, realize how good Kansas State's actually going to be. No, this is I don't I can't think of a year, um, in I don't know how many years where there's this much raw talent on that roster. And then, given what we know with the history of the program and his ability to do things and work his magic, um, I mean, it, you know, like Jeff said the other day, how would you like to have to turn around and play them again in the Big 12 championship game? Give Bill Snyder a second chance to, to figure you out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, no. No, you don't want any part of that. So, Because whatever mistakes he made in the first game, they won't be made in the second yeah. game. You can guarantee that. Yeah, and whatever it was, they'll be addressed and they'll move on down the road. And I, I just, I don't know. To me, it's fascinating. You know, I don't want to the president of Kansas State fans, but to me, the, just the question of of who they are once he's gone. I mean, that that fascinates the crap out of me. Yeah, you know, so, and, and he was he was right on the answer. No one actually knows, and for the short term, it might hurt for a little bit. You know, and, and that's yeah. and, that, and that's really an honest answer. And and I think you know, I mean, not not to go with OU thing, but I mean, the last few years, eighteen years has been Bob Stoops has been the head figure there. What's it going to be like going forward? Lincoln Riley seems like a good coach, but we don't really know. Yeah. You know, it's, everything's still kind of – things are pointing the right direction for him, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to pan out that way. So, mm-hmm. it, it's a scary thought. And and you also have the fact that they've already done it once, and, and Ron Prince came in. And it got real bad. Yeah, it, it, it turned out oh, bad. Yeah. And then, then Snyder came back and got things back on the rails again. So, it's it's a it's a touchy subject. And as a K-State fan, I, you know, it's got to be the back of your mind always that, you know, at some point this is going to come to an end. What's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's all I've got for this episode. Um, you know, Kansas State fans, we really do appreciate you. Uh, I know we probably haven't gotten the best contact with you guys. We're trying. Um, you know, any questions or anything, you're more than, you should know where to find us. Again, if you're listening to the show, let us know. Uh, Josh Strap, Kendall, you guys got anything to add? No, but uh, Josh Strap Block, your big three, that was pretty good, man. Uh, it sounds like we got some... Excuse me. Excuse me, that came yeah. out of nowhere. Yeah. It sounds like uh, he gave us some good information as far as uh, places to go get a beer and uh, some good barbecue, so I like I like the sound of that. Yeah. yeah, we may have to do that. All right, guys, well, if we got nothing else to add, we'll get out of here and let these yeah. people go. So. And send me questions on my Twitter. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably, well, yeah. it's probably gonna be a lot of hate mail th- now with Kansas fans. So you, you've alienated the entire I mean, base. So any non-Kansas <laughs> fans, um, <laughs> send send me questions on Twitter at jockstrap underscore b twelve c underscore b twelve c. Yeah. All right, guys. We'll be back later on this week with the uh, Iowa State show. Uh, next week with the Oklahoma show. Still fan, getting ready to navigate a few more dates on some of the other ones. So we'll let you know. Uh, and I guess if that's it, until next time, everybody say bye. Bye. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Bye, guys.